If you get a custom-tailored suit, it's going to fit perfectly and make you look great. Think about that with a Noble First for your organization. No matter what the size of your company is, a Noble First will analyze your data and collaborate with you to custom-tailor digital solutions so you can focus on making your organization grow. When it comes to data-centric solutions specifically for your organization, choose a Noble First. A Noble First makes living simple. See for yourself at anoblefirst.com, E-N-N-O-B-L-E-First.com. C-Radio. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. Good evening and welcome to Friday Night FOJC Remnant Gathering. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper and when two or three are gathered in his name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us and here's Brother David. everybody and welcome to the September 1st, 2023 edition of the FOJC Remnant Gathering. I am David Carrico and for the next hour we're going to be studying the Word of God. Our lesson for this evening is confirming the covenant. As always, we have a lot to pray about and we want to pray tonight from Acacia. She is 16 weeks pregnant. She's having problems with uh, high blood glucose levels, and she needs healing. We want to pray for her. Jeannie's husband needs healing and freedom. Cameron and Morgan, they've got COVID, so we want to pray for Cameron and Morgan. And the kids, too. Yeah, so uh, bless their hearts. We want to pray for them. Uh, We want to pray for Diana Graham's mother. She has been having some problems, uh, had to go to the hospital, so we want to pray for her. And we want to pray for Jim. Uh, He needs a healing. Uh, He is dealing with lung cancer. And we also want to pray for his children, Jenna and Cora. And we also want to pray for Sister Nancy. We want to pray for Brian and Ashley and their whole family for healing. Uh, they've been battling sickness also, and we certainly want to pray for them. And uh, we're just uh, going to fight this one out. I tell you what, we're going to have a lot of a lot of bugs and a lot of stuff coming at us uh, through the fall season, and we're just going to be in prayer and uh, let the Lord move mightily. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And also, want to make an announcement. Um, the 14th of September, the 14th, will be our September Prayerathon. And uh, we'll be using uh, pretty much the same format. We'll have some different people involved. It's going to be uh, a time of prayer. So we're going to be coming together on the 14th, and we're going to have a little September Prayerathon. So... Uh, mark that on your calendar and come ready to pray. Okay, also we want to remember uh, Dawn, our little buddy Dawn, and we want to pray that the Lord meets the needs in her life, and we know that he will. So we want to put Dawn on there. Amen. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for a chance once again to come before you and lift a request up before a holy God. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to pray for Acacia. Father, we know that 
um, you're the protector of the little children. And Father, the, the enemy loves to come against those children in the womb. And we just pray in Jesus' name that you just touch Macasia and just heal that condition and protect that child in Jesus' name. We want to pray for Jeannie's husband for healing and for freedom in Jesus' name. And for Cameron and Morgan and the whole family, Father, we just pray that you just uh, help them in just battling this uh, this evil called COVID. And Father, we want to pray for Diane's mother. In Jesus' name, we just pray that you touch her, that you just comfort her heart, and just use this time to draw her close to you. In Jesus' name. We want to pray for Jim for healing from lung cancer. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you just touch him. And we also pray that you touch the children, Jenna and Cora. We want to pray for Brian and Ashley and their whole family uh, for healing. Father, we just pray that you just intervene in that situation and meet those needs. And Lord, we also want to pray for Sister Dawn that you'll just uh, move mightily in her life. And you are and you will. And we just agree. Uh, in that which you're doing in Jesus name and father I ask for your help this evening in bringing forth this word Lord I just pray that you help me to bring forth your word and clarity and truth open our minds and our hearts to the scriptures in Jesus name we pray amen and amen worship the Lord for just a few moments and we will be back with our message for this evening confirming the covenant we're sorry, but because of copyright rules, you cannot hear my music. However, if you want to hear the message in its entirety with my music, you can join us on the radio page on Friday nights for the live audio broadcast at 6 p.m. Central Time, or you can listen on our podcast page at fojcradio.com. Here's Brother David. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to begin on the 24th verse. And we're going to be continuing with tying up some loose ends from that which we put on the table last week. We were teaching on Matthew chapter 24, and we were putting a lot of things on the table. So we're going to clarify some things, and we're going to take it slow, and we're going to get understanding. It's one thing to have knowledge it's another thing to have wisdom. That's what you know how to do with what you know. And there's another thing to have understanding. And I want us to understand this this evening. And it's really not that hard if we just slow it down and let the Word speak to us. Now, in Daniel chapter 9 and the 24th verse, we're going to revisit the topic of the 70 weeks. And this is indeed a deeper truth. But this is one that uh, is certainly, uh, if I can understand it, you can understand it. Now, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of, iniqu and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, I want to read from John Walvoord's commentary on the book of Daniel, and John Walvoord is a dispensational scholar. Now, 
the first part of this, we have no bones to pick with our dispensational friends at all. Now, Mr. Walford said, the English word for weeks is misleading as the Hebrew is actually the plural of the word for seven, specifying without whether it is days or months or years. So week, like a week to us, is seven days, and this word week, it means a group of seven. And he goes on to say the 70 times 7 is therefore 490 years. And this is something that we absolutely agree with. There's no disagreement here. Bible scholars, whether dispensational or non, they're going to be in agreement here. So we're looking at 490 years that are decreed for something to be accomplished. Now, there's so much to say about the 70 weeks. We taught a complete lesson on it not long ago. I wrote a book on it, and there's a lot here. But we want to try to reduce it to the most common denominator so we can really see what's going on. Now, in verse 25, Know therefore and understand, amen, we want to understand this, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. So in this verse, we have seven weeks, which would be 49 years, that would be there until Messiah, uh, from the time, excuse me, from the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem and the, the Messiah, the Prince, it'll be seven weeks plus 62 weeks or 69 weeks. So that leaves one week left. There are 69 weeks unto Messiah, the Prince. Now, if we can just get verse 26, we will forever put to bed the idea of a seven-year tribulation. Listen to what it says and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Very simple, straightforward statement. There's 70 weeks, 69 of them will elapse until Jesus comes to be crucified, and he will be crucified after the 69th week, which means Jesus is crucified in the 70th week of Daniel. Now, this is the key. It's right what it says. After the three score and two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with the flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, this is a straightforward fact. Messiah will be crucified in the 70th week, and we can be even more precise. The title of our teaching today is Confirming the Covenant. Now, in Daniel 9.27, let's look what the Scripture says. And this is really so easy. What makes it hard is all of the complicated scenarios that are put forth by men. Jesus was crucified in the 70th week. That's a fact. And when in the 70th week? Look at verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. 
And in the midst of the week, in the midst of the week, he shall cause sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, Jesus is cut off in the middle of the 70th week of Daniel. From the time that he was anointed in his hometown of Nazareth until the time he was crucified was three and a half years. He confirmed the covenant for three and a half years with miracles and and signs following. Now this has historically been understood just as it obviously is stated. Jesus died in the 70th week and more precisely than that, right in the middle of the 70th week. So, if we have three and a half years where Jesus confirmed the covenant while he was on earth, there will be, it says he'll confirm the covenant for one week. So we have another three and a half years of the confirmation of the covenant. Now, last week we read the passages in the book of Revelation, 1,260 days, that's three and a half years. 42 months, that's three and a half years. Times time and a half time, that's three and a half years. So we've got a future three and a half years where Jesus is going to confirm the covenant. Now, I want to look at a couple of my Puritan friends. John Trapp. And I want to read their comments on Daniel 9.27. And we will see that what I am sharing with you this evening is just exactly that which godly men and women of God believed and stood for until the time of dispensationalism. The reason why I don't teach a seven-year tribulation, it's not in the Bible. Look it up and see if you can find it. It's not there. But what we do see is that the Word of God tells us that Jesus himself will confirm the covenant for seven years. He did it for three and a half years when he was on earth, and he will confirm the covenant for three and a half years in the last half of the 70th week of Daniel. Now, there's way too much emphasis and on all of the the horrible plagues and the judgments that are going to pour, be poured out. And yes, they are going to be horrible. But what we need to figure and look forward to is our Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half more years. He is going to be confirming the covenant with the Israel of God and doing mighty things with the people of God. Now, let's look at what John Trapp, the Puritan, said about Daniel 9.27. And he, Messiah, shall confirm the covenant. Now another thing that dispensationalists do, they say that the person that confirms the covenant is the Antichrist, not Jesus Christ. Whoops! (laughs) You know, if you're going to make a blooper, you know, I guess you might as well make a big one, but yeah, that's a big one right there. And he, the Messiah, shall confirm the covenant. And he says... In the last seven years of the 70, in the 70th week, and just as I said, he says, and in the midst of the week, in three years and a half, he shall by his passion disannul the Jewish sacrifices and services. So Jesus Christ himself will put an end to the animal sacrifices by dying on the cross in the middle 
of the 70th week. And what has been taught today is that it's not Jesus Christ makes the covenant, it's the Antichrist makes the covenant, and that, yeah, he's cut off in the middle of the week, but yeah, there's going to be a seven-year future tribulation. That's enough to make your head hurt. Now, Matthew Henry, I want to read from my other Puritan friend here, and he says the same thing. He says he must confirm the covenant with many, He shall induce a new covenant, introduce a new covenant between God and man, a covenant of grace, since it had been impossible for us to be saved by a covenant of innocence. This covenant he shall confirm by his doctrine and miracles, by his death and resurrection, by the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. By offering himself a sacrifice once for all, he shall put an end to all the Levitical sacrifices. Praise God. And something else interesting here that Brother Trapp and Brother Henry both touched on, and I'll read you what they said. Brother Henry says this. The uh, Titus, the Roman general, would fain have saved the temple, but his soldiers were so enraged against the Jews that he could not restrain them from burning it to the ground. Now, is that what you've been told? Have you been told that it was the Jews that burned their own temple instead of the Romans? I bet you've not been told that. I was not taught that until I dug it out for myself. Uh, We have taught on FOJC Radio and also on the Midnight Ride about the Drag Queen Army. The Drag Queen Army. And the truth of the situation is, at that time, and I'll read what Brother Trapp said. He lays the blame at the same place. He says, for the overspreading of abominations, the outrages... The outrages committed by the seditious Jews, those zealots, as they called themselves, who filled the temple with dead bodies. Now, when I did the teaching on the drag queen army, uh, it just wasn't hyperbole. It was just exactly that. It was a drag queen army of Jewish soldiers that were inside Jerusalem fighting the Romans. And let's just read, let's just confuse the issue with a few facts, shall we? I want to read from the historical account of that from a man uh, that was there. He witnessed it, and by all accounts, Flavius Josephus is heralded as a very, very accurate historian. So let's just read. This is on... um, this is in Wars of the Jews, Book 4, Chapter 9. It's on page 691 of Josephus in the uh, updated edition by William Whitson. You can look it up and read it. Let's see what it says. It says, They also devoured what spoils they had taken together with their blood and induced themselves in feminine wantonness without any disturbance till they were satiated therewith while they decked their hair and put on women's garments and were besmeared over with ointments and that they might appear very comely they had paints under their eyes and imitated not only the ornaments but also the lust of the women and were guilty of such intolerable uncleanness 
and they invented unlawful pleasures of that sort. And thus did they roll themselves up and down the city as in a brothel house, and filled it entirely with their impure actions. Nay, while their faces looked like the faces of women, they killed with the right hand, and with and when their gait was effeminate, they presently attacked men and became warriors, and drew their swords from under their finely dyed cloaks, ran everybody through whom they lighted upon. Now, I was never told that. I had to read it and dig it out for myself, and I found, as in so many things, that what the church wants to tell us is, at best, just a paltry half-truth. And, as Brother Henry and Brother Trapp pointed out, it was the abominations of the drag queen army. Uh, On page 733, the historical record shows that Titus, the Roman general, he told the Jews that if they just walked away, they could walk away, and they could take their weapons with them and fight another day, and Titus wanted to save the Jewish temple. And the drag queen army, they went out and they performed homosexual acts in the sight of the Roman soldiers. And it was all that Titus could do to hold them back from going up there and cleaning their clock. And the historical record says this, and in the words of Titus, I do not force you to defile this place whereon you fight. No Roman shall either come near your sanctuary or offer any affront to it. Nay, I will endeavor to preserve you, your holy house, whether you will or not. And it goes on to say, uh, that the Jews, on page 735, they set fire to the northwest cloister, which was joined to the Tower of Antonio. They set it on fire, and after that, break off about 20 cubits of that cloister, and thereby made a beginning in burning the sanctuary. And when it was in their power to have stopped the fire, nay, they lay still while the temple was set on fire and deemed the spreading of the fire to be for their own advantage. Let's set the record straight. It was the drag queen sodomite army of the Jews that set their own temple on fire. Now, always the Zionists that are in control of the Christian broadcasting They want to paint the picture of the Jews as the holy people of God. Now, I tell you what, they're going to have to use a magic brush to do that. And today, this unbelievable penchant for this perversion is rampant in Israel like no other place upon the earth. And it will bring back the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah as surely as it fell in times past. But this is the abomination, and this led to the destruction of the temple. And in the middle of the week, Jesus died upon the cross to put an end once and for all to those animal sacrifices. Now, all we have to see is that Jesus was crucified in the 70th week And that he died specifically in the middle of the 70th week. So that means, very clearly, three and a half years passed while Jesus was upon the earth. And there will be a future three and a half years where he will confirm the covenant again. Now that's what's going to be exciting. Because there's going to be a confirmation of the covenant 
covenant that will be comparable to the first three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. That means that Jesus is going to step up and we're going to see some miraculous things happen. Just about the time when Satan looks like he's got his throat on the Israel of God, Jesus is going to show up and miraculous things are going to happen. So those two things, Jesus is cut off in the 70th week. He's cut off in the middle of the 70th week, clear as day. Now, there's something else I want us to get here. And to understand this, uh, you don't need to listen to me for another opinion. We've had enough opinions. But what I want you to do is I want you to see it in the Bible for yourself. That's when it will be real to you. And just sit down with those verses and read them. They'll say what they say every time Jesus is cut off in the 70th week and right in the middle of it. Now, something else we want to get. We want to understand a deeper understanding of the relationship with the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And there's some marvelous uh relationship between them but this is a pattern and if you see this pattern and it's easy as pie it really is it's easy peasy and all we have to do is put out of our mind all the opinions and this and that and all of the so-called christian prophecy movies and we just have to read the word of god let's look at it now in daniel chapter 7 and verse 2 it talks about a little horn. And in Daniel 7 and 2, and it talks about the beast, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And there were four beasts that rose out of the sea in Daniel chapter 7. Now, Daniel chapter 8 and verse 5 And as I was considering, behold, and a he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Now, all we got to understand, Daniel chapter 7, out of the sea. Daniel chapter 8, out of the earth. 7 by sea, 8 by earth. Two little horns. Now, let's go to the book of Revelation. And there's a pattern here. That's ordained by the Lord Almighty. It's not something that you have to buy a prophecy book to understand. You don't have to listen to 10 teachings on the YouTube channel. You just have to read the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit show this to you. And it's clear as day. In Revelation chapter 13, there are two beasts. There are two beasts. These are represented by the two little horns. Out of the earth, Daniel 7, or out of the sea, Daniel 7, out of the earth, Daniel 8. Well, look at what we got in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, chapter 13 and verse 1, this is the midnight ride intro. You hear this every Saturday night, don't you? And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horn ten crowns, and upon his head the names of blasphemy. Number one, out of the sea. Revelation 13:11 and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Number 1 out of the sea, number 2 out of the earth. Daniel 7 
out of the sea, it's talking about beast number one. Daniel 8 out of the earth, it's talking about beast number two. Now that's not hard, is it? It's an obvious pattern. These are the obvious things that are right before our face in the word of God that gets lost in the menagerie of the gooby goobity glock and that's a nice word for it that is spouted they make everything so complicated when indeed the word of god is right there in front of our face if we will just come to the place where we'll trust the word of god over these last days dandies now let's go back to daniel chapter 8 daniel the 8th chapter And let's begin in verse 10. Now, I know that I'm talking to some Bible believers out there. We got any Bible believers in the house tonight? I know we do. I see you out there. And and I believe the Bible was written over thousands of years by many different men. But the real author of Scripture was the Holy Ghost of Heaven. And because it was written by the Holy Ghost, it's inerrant, it's infallible. Not only was it inspired, but it was also preserved. I feel sorry for people that don't believe they have an inerrant, inspired Bible that they can hold in their hand. People like that have no final authority. They will always be a reed blown in the wind. But there is a final authority, and it is the Holy Word of God that we read from. And that Holy Word of God though written thousands of years ago by the prophet Daniel and the Holy Ghost, it can speak to us tonight in symbols that are so clear that we understand perfectly what they mean. Now let's take a shot at Daniel chapter 8 and verse 10. And it says here, speaking of the little horn from Daniel 8, and Daniel 8 was out of the earth, So what beast are we prophesying here? We're talking about the false prophet. Beast number two, beginning with Revelation 13, 11, the false prophet. And it says, and it waxed great, even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Over and over, we have taught and emphasized the understanding that stars are stars celestial entities this is all over our bibles it's all over the book of enoch stars are angels there's no way to make any sense out of the word of god when you think that some star is a giant gas ball a thousand times bigger than the earth a thousand light years away that's going to crash into the earth it's absolutely ludicrous stars are angels and this speaks of intense spiritual warfare on the part of the false prophet whereby there is going to be a war in heaven we see this in revelation chapter 12 where it talks about the war in heaven and going on about this little horn who is the second beast of revelation 13 the prophet of rome if you will yea he magnified himself even to the prince of the host yes the vicar of christ he magnifies himself as papa And by him, the daily sacrifice was taken away. Now, we talked about this last week, didn't we? We talked about the daily sacrifice, that this is indeed 
what Catholics call the Mass, the daily Mass, the daily sacrifice. I could bring a, a stack of Catholic books in here, and I think you understand that. They, they're upfront about this in their catechism. They call the Mass a sacrifice, and that it is to be observed daily. And the very term daily sacrifice is used by Catholic scholars. So what we're saying here, and this is something we've also, we've stood on this for over a decade, that there will be a Pope that will remove the Catholic Mass and will institute a Luciferian Mass, whereby the the bread and the wine will turn into real flesh and blood. This is a Luciferian mass that has been performed by Luciferians for thousands of years. And there will be a pope. There will be a pope. Perhaps the black pope of the Jesuits that will stand under Benini's canopy and he will lift up the bread and the wine and it will turn into real flesh and blood and people will proclaim himself to be a mighty miracle worker of God. We better be ready. We better understand because I believe when the false prophet does that, he'll have his own show on TVN. And you can tune in and you can watch him on TVN and he will have an open invitation to do his little miracles at almost any of these brothels that call themselves churches throughout the world. Now let's read on. So the Pope And he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Go on our Rumble channel and look and read, uh, listen to our lesson we did on the coming destruction of Rome. That'll catch you up on the last phrase of this verse. Now, look at verse 12. And a host was given him. Full stop. What is the host? What do the Catholics call the wafer that they give in communion? It's the host, isn't it? Can the Bible be this clear? Can the Bible be this plain that it can be written thousands of years ago and yet speak to us in symbols that are current to us right now that to miss this you have to absolutely try? This false prophet will be given a miraculous host. And I have books in the other room that I could come in and I could read to you the very rituals they were performed to charge that host with Luciferian demonic energy. It's coming. It's coming. And it's going to be here on our website. We have places where there are pictures of this Luciferian communion being performed in the Vatican. And there are actually pictures, uh, Sister Donna can show you where they're at. And you can see uh, the blood on the wafer in their mouth. They're taking communion, and the blood is running down their face right in the Vatican, served up by the Pope. And this was during the time of Pope John, I believe. Isn't that right, Donna? And this is something that Donna prophesied over a decade ago. I don't know how many years ago now. When? 2001. We've been saying this for a while. And every year that I say it, I feel stronger that it's reality. And I feel that this time is upon us. And because this time is upon us, this isn't something 
for us to hang our heads and run and hide, but it's time for us to rejoice because it's going to be the confirmation of the covenant for everything we see here. It's not the evil. It's not the, it's not the horrendous, blasphemous, Luciferian filth, but it's our Lord Jesus Christ rising up upon the Israel of God, letting his light shine and sending forth the truth like a sword into the hearts of people that they will be turned from this soul-killing abomination. A host was given him against the daily sacrifice. Look at what it says. So the daily sacrifice is the Catholic Mass as it is right now, but there will be a false prophet that will be given a host to replace the Catholic Mass. It will be a Luciferian host. It will be a Luciferian communion. This has been practiced. I can document this blasphemous communion as far back as evil goes. It's a matter of record. And we also, by the way, wrote a book on it. Don and I, The Luciferian Transmutation. And I feel stronger about the truth of that book this evening than I did at the time when we wrote it. But a host will be given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. Amen. So this is coming. It's coming. There's going to be a time when there's going to be a Luciferian mass. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, and let's read verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of of the Son of Man. So the Bible talks about the days of the Son of Man. Now in verse 22, that are coming in the future. Now look at Luke 17, 22, and he said unto his disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. The days of the Son of Man was used by Jesus to refer to the time when he was on the earth with his disciples. There will come a time when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. Now just jump down, and let's begin in verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Look what looks what's right here in front of us. So there are days of the Son of Man when Jesus was on the earth and there's going to be days of the Son of Man in the future. You see? Confirming the covenant for one week, seven years. Seven years while he was on the earth. Excuse me. Three and a half years while he was on the earth. Three and a half years in the future. Confirming the covenant. Confirming the covenant. This is what we need to be excited about. Let me read the rest of this text. And as it was, Luke 17 will begin in verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. They didn't give a care about anything but their little selfish materialistic lives. But the same day 
that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. A-L-L. All of those that were consumed with their little selfish materialism. Verse 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And I believe with all of my heart that most of us listening to this teaching tonight, I even believe at my tender age that I can live until the revelation of the Son of Man. I believe that in my heart tonight. I feel it. I feel it. And what does it mean to confirm the covenant? Confirming the covenant does it mean that there's going to be more apostate churches raised up? They're going to pollute the word of God with paganism that won't be able to stand up and say anything about anything? But it means that there's going to be a confirming of the covenant in this three and a half years future that is comparable to the three and a half years when Jesus was upon the earth. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 20. And by the way, if you're unfortunate enough to still be uh, reading one of the apostate Bibles, them apostate Bibles will tell you this shouldn't even be in the Bible. But I'm going to tell the devil, yeah, it is. In Luke chapter 16, or excuse me, Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following Amen. Hallelujah. The word will be confirmed with signs following. There will be a confirmation of the covenant in the future three and a half years, the last half of the 70th week of Daniel, just like there was in the first three and a half years when Jesus was cut off in the middle of the week and caused the Jewish sacrificial system to come to an end. Praise God. Now, Let's go to Revelation chapter 11. Is there anything in the book of Revelation about some supernatural confirmation of the covenant? Well, let's see what we can find. Let's just see what we can find. I bet we can find something, don't you? Let's go to Revelation chapter 11. And let's begin in verse 3. And I will give power. Oh, yeah. I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy how long 1,203 score days clothed in sackcloth. Now let's see. That's 1,260 days. That's three and a half years, isn't it? Three and a half years that witnesses are going to prophesy. And in the two witnesses, there's three things in view. There's going to be two witnesses, and we did a teaching on this not long ago with Sister Tracy on the Enduring Sound Doctrine. I believe they're going to be Melchizedek and Enoch, and I believe that, and also from the Word of God, there's two. There are two in front of the throne of God that are pour, pouring oil into the heavenly candlestick. There are, two, there are two men that will come back that have never died. There are two angelic entities literally called the oily ones in the fourth chapter of Zechariah. And there are two groups of people. There are two groups of people represented by the poor and represented by those that have spiritual revelation. There were seven churches that were written letters to by our Lord Jesus Christ, Five of them were rebuked. 
two were not, and the two witnesses are the two candlesticks, Smyrna and Philadelphia, the church of the poor, and the church of those that have a revelation from God, and that can you can have both of them. You can be poor, and you can have revelation from God, and all we have to do is read our Bibles and reject the gobbledygook that people are trying to feed us. It's right in front of our eyes. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. Yes, he will. And they shall prophesy 1,203 score days clothed in sackcloth. There's our final three and a half years of confirming the covenant. You don't want to miss it. I want to be a part of that, don't you? I'm tarred. I'm tired of looking out to these lifeless cowards that can't say nothing, can't do nothing. They wouldn't say nothing if they had their mouth full. They're disgusting cowards that are nothing but a little pimple on the devil's fanny. They're worthless. They're worthless cowards. And just ask me what I think about it. I'm sick of it. And the Lord is sick of it. He's sick of this lifeless, dead slop. And he's about to show up and show off and confirm the covenant for three and a half more years. And I'm ready to be a part of it. How about you? I'm ready to be a part of it. I say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And I will give power. Unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God on the earth, the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. Yeah, just come on with it, devil. Just come on with it. And if any man will hurt them, they must be, in this manner, be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of the prophecy, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Praise God. Yes, there's going to be a confirmation of the covenant. It's coming. The 1,260 days. Don't worry about what the devil can do and start believing what our God can do. He's going to confirm the covenant for three and a half years and he's going to need some people that are just silly enough to believe God against the lies that are being told. And I think we got a few of them tonight. Amen? And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Now, I think this might be a good place for me to take a break and drink a little coffee. What do you think? And I tell you what, it's not caffeine-free. No, it's not. But I'm going to take a break here, as you might guess. we got some more things to share with you here on the FOJC Remnant Gathering Confirming the Covenant. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Tracy Vene from He Walks With Us Everywhere over on YouTube. Knowing the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life, whether you know it or not, as David Carrico says. We are excited to bring you the sound doctrine we need to endure these last days. Our newest original series, Enduring Sound Doctrine, is now airing on my YouTube channel. In Matthew 24, 13, Jesus says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I like to say it's not a hop, skip, and jump to the end. It's an enduring. We welcome you to come over to He Walks With Us, one word, everywhere, and subscribe, like, and share. 
And please remember to subscribe, like, and share FOJC Radio's YouTube channel, Underground One Word Church. Thank you for listening to the content that we're presenting, and of course, for your support and your love and your prayers. We hope to see you over there. Hello, FOJC Radio Remnant family. Sister Donna here. I just want to thank all of you for your support and your love and kindness. Just wanted to let you know that here at FOJC Radio, we want to reach the world for Jesus. I know you know this verse. You've said it as a child probably many times. But as a reminder, in John 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In order to do this, we have chosen to use many different avenues. We have our regular Friday night message with Brother David, and then we have our Sunday night live, and we have different people on it, and then we have other Sunday night live programs with David and Tracy. Sometimes we're on Rumble, and sometimes we're on YouTube. You just never know who we might have on there, but I just wanted to remind you all and thank you for your support and give us a listen on Sunday Night Live. These programs usually start at 8 p.m. Central Time. You never know what we might be doing. We're full of all kinds of surprises. We want to reach the world for Jesus. This is entitled Wolves. Written on November the 5th, 2022, Sabbath morning, 6.47 a.m. Wolves in sheepskin, they are plenty, standing at their pulpits, spewing lies, half-truths, and apostasy. Smooth things they cry, itching ears they find. No conviction of souls, no bended knee, just put your money in the plate before thee. Eyes to see, ears to hear is what you need. The word spoken, the light of the world for you and me. Faith, obedience, and humility. Come to the Father and be truly free. Don't wait a second longer. Hear him now. Time is short, you see. Come out of her, my people. Now back to tonight's message with Brother David Carrico on FOJC Radio. All right. Now, are you going to be able to find this? All right. Now, I want to say welcome back, as I always do, to the FOJC Remnant Gathering. And as always, I want to thank each and every one of you that pray for us and that study with us and support us with your gifts and kindness. We do appreciate it so very, very much. Now, Sister Donna, even as we speak, she's looking for a song that I want her to play. 
because it's time for us to get just a little bit of attitude up in here. That's right. And we're going to get a little bit of attitude up in here, and we're going to sing us a song in just a moment. Uh, get behind me, Satan. And we're going to have us a little song, and we're going to we're going to give the devil a bit of a boot up in here. Now, I want to say also, while she's looking at an announcement, this Sunday night on FOJC Radio, uh, Sunday Night Live, 8 p.m. Central, on our Underground Church channel, we're going to have Tracy Vinay and myself, the Crystal Skull of Lucifer. And I tell you what, title says it all. It's going to be a hopper and a popper. And uh, you join us for that, and I guarantee you, you'll be blessed. Now back to tonight's message with Brother David Carrico on FOJC Radio. Matthew twenty four twenty two, with just a little bit of attitude. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So praise God. Boy, that's a good verse. Because not only are we looking at not a seven-year tribulation, but a three-and-a-half. It's three-and-a-half years cut short. And the reason why it's cut short is so that nobody can predict the exact day that the Lord is going to return. Down in verse 36, Jesus said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now, wouldn't you know that there's a bunch of nutwhackers um, and by calling them nutwhackers, I'm too kind to them. Brother Dan Badami was sending me the info on these guys this week. And there's a bunch of nutwhackers that are predicting the return of the Lord in September sometime. Well, bless their little hearts. You know, bless their little hearts. But they're going to find some people, they're going to play for chumps, they're going to jump on their bandwagon, and they're going to make money moving uh, money from their, someone billfold to theirs. If we would just understand the words of Jesus, we would know immediately these people for the liars they are. Now, in verse 23, Matthew chapter 24, verse 23, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. Now, just on the, the last midnight ride I taught, um, uh, is that, are they talking about that tonight, brother? Okay, there we go. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, I know. Okay, there we go. They're going to talk about that tonight. All right. <laughs> yeah, I know Dan was uh, filling me in on these guys. Can you believe it? So, yeah, go over and listen to brother Dan tonight. He's going to help these guys out a little bit. Yes, he will. Now, uh, in verse 23, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here's Christ, or there, believe it not. And I was on the last midnight ride I taught, I was talking about Benjamin Krim, and I was talking about the Mahatmas, how that uh, these people actually are claiming, we're talking about Mano Blavatsky, Alice Bailey, uh, Benjamin Krim, and the elites of theosophy and of the occult world, that they are actually making contact with what we know are Nephilim, that are imparting unto them wisdom and occult powers. And we, dot, we uh, the last midnight ride, it was called the Avatars of Tartaria. And the Wizards of Shambhala, I believe is what we called it. But that's up there, our last midnight ride. And uh, Benjamin Krim actually claimed that he had the Messiah in a hotel room in London. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Benji. Uh, but he actually claimed that, and he claimed he was going to roll them out. And in 1982, I remember it, and some of you might too. You might not want to admit it, but some of you remember this. In 1982, there was a half a million dollar ad campaign 
where in major newspapers and magazines all over the world, Benjamin Krim put out the ad, The Christ is Now Here, and he said that he would soon reveal himself. Well, it didn't happen. But this is the type of thing that's going to happen. If they say unto you, Lo, here is Christ or there, don't believe it. Just like people that set dates, don't believe them. You know this quick, they're lying. And the same thing with people that say there's some avatar over here or there. They might have them a Nephilim in a hotel room, but it ain't Jesus, I guarantee you. Don't be fooled by them. And Jesus said these things to us so that we will not be deceived. In verse 24, For there shall arise false Christ, pseudo-Christos. This is the same as... In the book of First John, the Antichrist, Antichristos, Pseudochristos. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall shew great signs and wonders, inasmuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now it doesn't say that when these false Christ and false prophets show up, that they're going to be a bag of wind, but what Jesus said is when they show up, they're going to be doing great signs and wonders. They're going to be doing some impressive things. Can you imagine how many people, if the the false prophet would get on TBN, and by the way, that bright light Kenneth Copeland, um, who I think absolutely nothing of, he actually did a conference, you can watch this also, on YouTube, unfortunately, but he actually, during a communion service, he acted like he was cutting his own wrist and putting his own blood in the communion cup. My goodness gracious, where is the fear of God? How can people sit and watch this that have the Spirit of God in them? And I severely would suspect that someone with the Spirit of God in them could not do that, but he actually did, as many of you know. But the Bible tells us that when these guys show up, they're going to be doing miracles. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus is going to be confirming the covenant with many for the last half of the 70th week of Daniel, the days of the Son of Man. So we can see the confrontation coming, can't we? The confrontation is on the way, I guarantee you. And in verse 25 of Matthew 24, Jesus said, Behold, I have told you before. He has told us before. This is something that should not take us by surprise. Jesus has told us this so we can be aware of it. And we are knowing what's going to happen. So we can expect these things to be ramping up. And indeed they are. Let's go to 1 John. And let's go to the epistle of 1 John. And we're going to look at some of the scriptures here that talk about the Antichrist, the Antichristos. And in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18, and the word anti, if we would take that to the Greek lexicon, the number one meaning of that little prefix anti means in place of. The number two meaning you'll find in the lexicon is against. So the primary meaning in the operation of the Antichrist is they are going to replace the truth of Jesus Christ with something else. Yes, they're going to be replacing the truth of Jesus Christ with someone, something else. And they've, they've done this. And boy, how do they do it? Well, uh, the things Jesus taught 
uh, they're not for Christians. They're for the Jews and the millennial reign. And yeah, uh, the Ten Commandments, yeah, they're going to. I tell you what, there's going to be a hot place in hell for these Antichrist teachers. There really is. Let's just let's just be real clear about that. In First John chapter 2 and verse 18, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. And in the day of the Apostle John, there were many Antichrists had risen up. If you read in the, uh, the epistles of John, there was actually... A, a home fellowship that was a kind of a hub of the church in an area and the apostle John sent two of his co-workers to that church and they actually threw them out can you imagine can you imagine rising up and uh, against the apostle John so I tell you what when people rise up against us we don't need to feel too bad do we but in first John chapter 2 and verse 22 who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. Now this is very straightforward, didactive statements. And when the Bible is so clear that it is the Antichrist spirit to deny that Jesus is the Christ... Why do we have so many professed believers that are so obsessed with hearing what Christ-rejecting rabbis have to say? In the Messianic and the Hebrew root movement, sacred name, take your pick. They want to fill people's ears with the teachings of Christ-rejecting rabbis so clearly outlined in the Word of God as Antichrist. And it says clearly, if you deny the Son, the same hath not the Father. And because of this absolute brainwashing that goes on by the Zionists that are in control of Christian media, we have to say it in all clarity. Judaism rejects Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Therefore, it is the spirit of Antichrist. And how in the world can people run to that demonic trough that have the spirit of God within them? You cannot mix the spirit of God with the spirit of Antichrist. You can do it, but if you do, I guarantee you the judgment of God will be upon you. These Jewish rabbis that reject Christ, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. The only thing they have is a sure ticket to hell. And they are going to drag as many people with them that are silly enough to listen to their lies. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Nothing could be more clear from Scripture. First John 4 and 3. Well, let's just throw in verse 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Well, let's just read verse 1. Let's just read the first three here. Beloved, believe not every spirit's but try the spirits. And that doesn't mean try them out. It means to try them. Are you imbibing filth from a Christ-rejecting teacher that is sending you some kind of a mixture? I tell you what, there's way too much of that out there. I've said this a lot, and I can't say it enough. This is something that will just absolutely kill you. 
spiritually. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God, every conspiracy spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. It's the spirit of Antichrist to say that you need to mix the doctrine of Christ rejectors with the word of God. It's the spirit of Antichrist that says that the precious words of Jesus no longer apply to Christians. It's the spirit of Antichrist that says that God's moral law and the Ten Commandments no longer apply. It's the spirit of Antichrist, and they are everywhere, I guarantee you. And it's the spirit of Antichrist that had Copeland mix his blood, he thought, even in pretense with the Holy Communion of God. Amen. 100% the Spirit of Antichrist. Now let's read one from Second John, and let's begin in chapter 7, or excuse, verse 7. There's only, there's only one chapter in the epistle of Second John, and let's just see what the Word says here. But there's no reason to be deceived by this. Anyone, the word of God is so plain. People that go for this nonsense, it's on you. I guarantee you. Copeland, he actually put Pope Francis, the black pope, up on the big screen at one of his conferences. I tell you what, uh, if you can't figure that out, uh, I don't know if it's worth wasting breath on you. Second uh, John, beginning in verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. A deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we should receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed, for he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. The doctrine of Christ is not optional. The things that we speak to you of and the things which we've done 160 episodes on the doctrine of Christ. They are not optional, not because we say them and know them all, but because they are the things that Jesus said. If you are not standing in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. It's that clear. I didn't write it, but even I got enough sense to read it, and it's so plain that I even I can understand that. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, when Christ prophesied, about these false prophets that were coming. He was referencing the 13th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Let's read a little bit. Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you 
to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. The reason why these people exist, the Lord is proving us. Do we love the Lord enough to cling to him and his word only? Or are we going to sell it out and mix the truth with apostasy? It's to try us. That's what Copeland is. That's what these guys are. They're a trial to see if the people of God will stand with this truth or if they will sell out unto apostasy and be a part of the big crowd and the broad road and all the fancy the, the fancy gadgets. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments to obey his voice and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he hath spoken to you to turn you away from the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now let me clarify here just a moment. I'm not going to kill him because the Israel of God is no longer in the land, but I guarantee you one day the Lord's going to kill him. When they stand before the Lord, they're going to be struck dead. They're going to be struck dead not once but twice, the first death, the second death, and they will have an eternity in hell to think about the choices that they have made. Now in verse 6, the Lord doubles down on the seriousness of this. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers, namely the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, so far off from thee, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, Neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him. Now let me get up on my soapbox for just a minute, because my soapbox is feeling pretty comfortable this evening. But one thing, I have done many conferences down through the years. Many, many, many conferences we did... I think one summer, how many do we do, Donna? 16 and one. We did 16 conferences in one summer uh, back in the day. We've done a bunch of them. And we've spoke with and know personally a lot of the so-called big names out there. And I tell you what, the so-called conference circuit makes me want to gag and barf. I am just so absolutely put out with it. It is as sick and as apostate as the churches. And let me tell you, just let me give you a peek behind the curtain. Here's how it goes. People will come together at these conferences, and they will bring together people that are putting out such abominable, blasphemous doctrine. And I'm talking just rank Gnosticism. They'll sell their books and their garbage. And people will go there, and they'll turn a blind eye so that they can sell a book or get a few more viewers on their YouTube channel, it makes me want to gag. I am so done with that nonsense. It just absolutely is reprehensible. And that's what it is. No integrity. There are people out there, and boy, I could I could just start calling names and keep calling them for a while. They have no integrity whatsoever. They will lay down in the sewer with anything and anybody just to sell a book. And it's disgusting. It's not of God. And the Word of God says that when people are 
committing abomination, leading people to serve other gods. The Bible says, don't you conceal him. Don't you conceal him. The Word of God says that if people are bringing contrary to the doctrine of Christ and you lift them up, you're partaker of his evil deeds. So thank you for letting me get up on my soapbox because it's disgusting. I know what to speak of. I've been there, done that, and I've seen it firsthand, and it's abomination to God. It's nothing but a rank abomination to God of people that have sold out the truth for financial gain. Now, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. And we're just going to have a few more thoughts here, and we're going to conclude our message for this evening. You see, the Lord doesn't need everybody. He doesn't need everybody. He just needs a few people that are going to stick to the truth and open themselves up to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. Jesus had the same thing to say in Matthew 24, didn't he? Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, we're going to see that Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is speaking about beast number 2 in Revelation 13. It's speaking about the false prophet. Now, we're going to see that. You know, that's not just my opinion. Let's see if this isn't the word of the Lord. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. These guys, they're going to come toting some miracles. We need to have that settled in our mind. We're going to see some miracle-working devils come our way. Yes, we are. And we're going to see some of them right on Christian TV. Yes, we will. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth. Because they receive not the love of the truth. Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved, and for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all, A-L-L, all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's a lot at stake, my friends, isn't there? There's a lot at stake in choosing to reject the pure doctrine of Jesus and to chase after the signs and wonders that are after the working of Satan. Now, how do we know that this is the second beast of Revelation 13? Well, let's just read our Bibles as clear as day. The first beast of Revelation 13, he will be a political slash military beast. And the second beast is going to be a religious beast. And I have no doubt that it will be one of the popes of Rome underneath Benini's canopy that's going to lift up that Luciferian mass. Revelation 13, let's begin in verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Two horns like a lamb, but he spake like a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and he causeth the earth and them which dwell therein 
to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. It will be the miracles of the false prophet that will deceive the people. And when the false prophet starts serving communion and it turns into real flesh in their mouth and the blood runs down their cheek, many people are going to say, what a great miracle of God. When the wine turns into real blood, they're going to think, what a great man of God. Many Many and most people are going to be deceived by this, but not the Israel of God. Because while the beast is confirming the false covenant and the false communion, the Israel of God will be standing with our great high priest and intercessor, and he will be confirming the covenant in that last half of the 70th week. And we are going to see some very exciting times and we're going to see a lot of people come to Jesus we sure are amen well with that I think I'm going to close for this evening as always with great thankfulness to each and every one of you uh, for listening to the FOJC Remnant Gathering Uh, we're thankful for all of you we really mean that with all of our heart we're so thankful for all of you that are praying for us and we're looking forward we're going to be announcing more details about our uh, prayer-a-thon on the 14th and uh, we're going to be getting that lined up so get ready for that get ready to pray and uh, we're just so thankful to the Lord like I say Sunday night on FOJC radio Sunday night live Tracy and I will be doing the crystal skull of Lucifer it's going to be a fizzy popper, guarantee you. Tomorrow night, I will be with John about 30 feet that away. And we'll be in the Midnight Ride studios, and we're going to be riding again on the Midnight Ride. So God bless y'all. We love you. And let's just close out with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're just excited with what you're doing. And Father, we just pray that as we lift our hearts up to you, that you just fill us with joy and peace and excitement for that which you're doing. And Father, we're looking. We're looking for you. We're looking for you and the great uh, move of the Spirit that you're beginning, bringing people into salvation, bringing people out of darkness. And Father, we indeed give you all the glory and the praise for it. So Father, we just pray that you just take this word and you open the hearts of the people to receive your word and to be excited about that which you are about to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we agree. Amen and amen. God bless you all, and we will see you next Friday night, 6 p.m. Central, on the FOJC Remnant Gathering. Thank you for listening and joining in fellowship with us here at FOJC Radio Remnant Gathering. You can contact us at FOJC Post Office Box 671 Tell City, Indiana, 47586. Or you can email us at lastdayschurch at cs.com. Or you may call us at 
888-242-2288. You can check out our website at www.fojcradio.com. Thanks and God bless. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.